The world of tomorrow. Artificial intelligence knows what groceries you want delivered before you even ask. Your car picks you up on schedule. Your toast is flawlessly toasted and buttered precisely when you're hungry. It's technology, and combined with blockchain, it's designed to make your life and workflow easier and more better. Today, we welcome Miko Matsumura, founder of Evercoin and advisor to many blockchain companies, to talk about all things crypto, and it might get all Jules Verne in here. And we might not go around the world in 80 days, but we are about to take you on a journey. Come with us. It's a discussion with a technology and crypto OG on episode number 170 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast, the show for the crypto curious and the crypto serious and those who like to go on journeys down the rabbit hole and around the world. Because that's kind of what we do. I'm Joel Kahn. He's Travis Wright. That is true. And you and I have been known to go around the world. We are the Phileas Fogg and Passepartout of crypto. <laughs> you know, I actually have gone around the world uh, whenever we did the um, the trip in Davos, right? So I went from Kansas City to Denver to San Francisco to Singapore to Malaysia to Thailand, back to Singapore to uh, to uh, Abu Dhabi, and then flew to Zurich and then went to Davos and then Zurich to London to Chicago, back to Kansas City. So I can assure you all the earth is not flat because I flew I flew west the whole time. <laughs> no, it wasn't flat, so you know. I don't know. I think it's a big conspiracy. Mm -hmm. well, I mean, I, they. I just want to. I just want to let those people know. Of those people who think the Earth is flat, have you actually been in an airplane? <laughs> you know, but it, think think of what it would take for that conspiracy to be true. I mean, we would have to have everyone that's ever worked with NASA, every pilot, anybody in aviation. Uh, and and nobody's ever found the edge. Right. I just I well, don't they understand. have Mr. Joel Kahn, but they fell off and died. <laughs> well, they fell off because actually, and they saw the turtle that's carrying the Earth on its back as they fell all past. the way down. Yeah, all the way yeah. down. <laughs> I don't understand how this has just become a thing again these past few years. The whole flat Earth thing. Well, you know what. I think people, a lot of places are just kind of willfully uninformed, really. You know, it's like when there's when you have a political debate with somebody and they just really don't know some of the basic stuff. But, yeah, by God, they are so stubborn in their point of view. And then there's so many other things. I just think people are a lot of people are willfully uninformed and they think the information that they've gotten from whatever sources they've gotten is good enough. And a lot of people just aren't curious to learn more and do research on their own, which is one of the reasons why we decided to set up Bad Crypto, for me personally, is to help people become better critical thinkers and become good at researching things on their own. I know this is, it's just crypto, but the same things apply to all areas of life. You want to know more about politics and what's really going on, you do got to dive down some rabbit holes and get a little dirty, and you come up feeling a little dirty, and then you start sharing some of your findings, and then you'll you'll discover people think you're crazy. <laughs> well, that might be true. It's true. I've seen that so many times where I'm like, I come up and I'm like, 
oh my God, I just learned this and this and this. And then somebody's like, yeah, wow, Travis, you believe that? Oh my God, you are dumb. I'm like, okay, wow. You're, and then they you're come back a- later. Then they come back later and they go, wow, Travis, how did you know? How did you know all of that? I'm like, dude, I got way more time than most people do. I don't have to sit in a cubicle for 40 hours a week doing I hate. I literally, we literally make podcasts now and I spend the rest of my time researching shit that interests me. <laughs> You're a big, stupid, dummy head. Mm. Mm, thanks. You know who's not a big, stupid, dummy head? In fact, he is the opposite. He would be a small, smart, intelligent <laughs> head. No, that's. Yeah. I don't know. He, I've met him in person. He's not small either. His name is Miko Matsumura, and Miko is a super cool cat. He is a tech and a crypto OG, and we had a great talk with him. You guys are going to like this. Dude, this guy is awesome. Buckle in. This guy was the uh, chief evangelist for Sun Microsystems back in the day for Java. This guy has been doing really cool stuff in tech for a long time. This right here is one, I would say, one of the top 10 bad crypto episodes that we've got. I w- I'm going to throw that out there. Okay, now it's out there. Let's let our listeners be the judge. You guys, your part is to listen. So here we go. As we traverse the great crypto sphere, we tend to see some names pop up again and again. Names like Bob and Larry. What other names have you encountered, Travis? You know, there's all kinds of interesting people with all kinds of interesting names in the crypto world, right? Yeah. With Mr. Not, not Mr. or Miss Nakamoto, whoever we don't even know. We don't know if that's a we're just assuming it's a dude, right? Satoshi might be a might be a woman. Then you have then you have like Nick Zabo, Hal Finney, all these extra interesting names, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, today we have another interesting person with us. Yeah, uh, his name is Miko, Miko Matsumura, and Miko uh, is the founder of Evercoin.com, and uh, he's he's like a name that keeps popping up in the crypto space. I like go to events, and I met this guy, I think I met him at a D10E conference, and seemed like a really cool cat, and then I see, oh, he's speaking here, and he's advising over here, and I'm like, all right, Miko is overqualified to be on the Bad Crypto Podcast. So uh, welcome, Miko. Uh, gee, thanks a lot for that. Yeah, <laughs> that's your overqualified. That's that's good. I mean, I could have said you weren't quite qualified, but we thought we'd invite you anyway. Yeah, thanks for the leg up. If it makes you feel better, I could say I've never heard of you. Nice. <laughs> Excellent. That works for me too. <laughs> let, me, let me expand on the bio here rather than being so vague. He's a general partner with Gummy Cryptos, a venture partner with Bitbull Capital which is a crypto fund of funds. He's an advisor to Arrington XRP Capital, and he works with a lot of crypto startups. The dude's got a master's degree in neuroscience from Yale, where he's worked on abstract computational neural networks, and he leads a crypto underground meetup in San Francisco. People know him. So, uh, yeah, we're glad you're here. The website is Miko.com. And how long have you been into this crypto space, Miko? Uh, I'm I'm like a newborn babe in the woods here. So, you know, I, I kind of came in at a fortuitous time, uh, really early 2017. So, you know, really, really new, not OG Bitcoiner types. You know, I, I definitely meet some of those. And, you know, it's always super impressive, incredible forethought and, you know, really amazing people. Uh, you know, I just... I came into this space and I've been working in open source software for 
decades. And, you know, for me, the, the way I got into the space is what I call open source money, which is, you know, really just boom, eye opening, you know, so, you know, Bitcoin white paper, just kind of looking at this whole peer to peer open source money concept. And it really, really just blew my mind. Yeah, it is. A, it's definitely an interesting space. I tell you what, um, and actually, we're not connected on on uh, the Twitters. So I am going to follow you right this very minute. Miko Java. That's me. Which is good. You actually got Miko.com, which is pretty cool to have uh, a four letter domain, which is your first name. Yeah, it's good. It's uh, it's the uh, fruits of being an old dude. <laughs> <laughs> right. J- Mr. Joel Com has Joelcom.com, which is only eight letters. Yeah, I, could, I, I couldn't name. get it. Unfortunately, uh, Joel.com was was taken. So sad day for me. Joel.com and com.com. Yeah, right? I do own com.us though. So that's my URL shortener. Nice. But I'm not as cool as Miko. I'm I'm just not. So I want to talk about about I want to talk a little bit because we actually had, I believe, your partner from Bitbull Capital that uh, we we'd had an interview. Um Joe DePasquale. Yeah, yeah, Joe DePasquale. Yeah, we we chatted with him. We, we chatted with so many people. I think we've had over 200 interviews so far with bad crypto. But who's counting? So it's always interesting. But we're counting. We're almost at 300. No, we're not. Um, but so so you actually have your own cryptocurrency um, exchange, Evercoin, right, that you had set up. Yep. And maybe you want to tell tell the world about Evercoin. I, I've, I've heard about it. I've read about it. I've seen it in, around. Yeah. So let our audience know. I'm, I'm really I'm really pumped up about it. So, you know, really, like the way that people people aren't reasoning that well about exchange as a concept. I think it's really this sort of a bad mixture of like telegram and like ICOs. And, you know, the, the thing that everyone always does is they always ask like, Hey, is, is your exchange a DEX, right? Is it a decentralized exchange? And then, mm-hmm. and then if you tell them it's not, then, then they're disappointed, right? They're like, Oh, okay. I thought, I thought maybe you were cool, but maybe you're not, you know, and, and you're like, no, we're going to have customer support and stuff. We're actually going to be able to help, help you if something goes wrong. Yeah. And, and, and think, and just these little, these little incidentals, like regulatory compliance and, you know, just think things like that, that might, that might help make things work better. But, you know, yeah. the mood is this, right. Which is probably like fully 80% of the evils come from uh, custody. Right. So to me, the topic shouldn't be centralized versus decentralized. It should be, which it sounds more kind of moralistic, right? Where it's like, oh, it's, it's, it's centralized. You know, isn't that what we were trying to avoid? You know, and so moralistically, decentralized has to sound better than centralized, right? But to me, the battleground is more at the moment, it's more custodial versus non custodial. And really, you know, the, a lot of the evils come from custody, right? So, you know, it's, it's unbelievable what, custody provides these, you know, traditionally centralized exchanges, you know, they're really getting a huge, pretty sweet deal out of this thing. So, you know, our mood is, why don't we offer custody back to the users? Why don't we give them their own wallets? And why don't we allow the wallets to integrate deeply with the exchange so that you can have, you know, kind of the best of both worlds. You can have a high performance, supported, highly regulatory compliant experience within an exchange environment, but at the same time, maintain custody and, you know, have your own private keys. So I think that's, that's kind of our mood and mindset. So, you know, that's, that's, that's Evercoin. The website evercoin.com. And it looks like you guys work with a mobile app. Is this uh, both an Android and an iOS app or just one? Yeah, we're uh, at the moment, I think we're iOS, but I think we're probably 
weeks away at the most from Android side because mm-hmm. I'm an Android user, so you know, definitely dedicated to. And it looks platform. like you support uh, the big E's. You got Bitcoin, uh, Bcash, Doge, Ethereum, Bitcoin Gold, Ethereum Classic, Ripple Dash, and Litecoin. Is the goal to be adding as many as you know possible, or are you just going to focus on the ones with the the biggest market caps? Yeah, so from our from our vantage point, you know, we're looking at the biggest coins. Uh, I think we're going to be opening a European exchange headquartered in in Malta, and you know that that service is going to have a lot more access to listing, you know, just about anything uh, more from a regulatory perspective. I mean, anything that fits under the VFA Act, the Virtual Financial Assets Act, which is their legislation down there. So you know, from our perspective, you know, we're still. The Delaware-based exchange is still regulated by the uh, U.S. SEC, and therefore we have to be careful about you know exactly what it is that we list. I want to go to Malta, Travis. I want to go to Malta. Hmm. We sh- we shall. I'm pretty sure that's gonna we-, we will be in Malta before we know it. Now, so you you created some some interesting stuff. Now, let me ask you this because we've had other people who are doing exchanges on, and they're based in the United States. Where where are you guys based at, real quick? Yeah. So at the moment, our our main exchange, which you can see on Evercoin.com, is is a U.S. exchange, and as a result, space, yeah. it's pretty heavily uh, regulated entity. Mm-hmm. You got to do stuff with every state, right? Yeah, absolutely. So you know, it's tra- traditional to get licensing from you know on a state by state basis, and that's just part of doing business here. Good stuff. Yeah. So so that's why right now you guys have all these. Well, a, a lot of the exchanges that are being in the United States, right? So Coinbase being the biggest one, and there are a couple other ones. They only have four coins right now, and they're adding them very slowly. So how many in the United States? I mean, you mentioned some of them that you have. Is there a, is there a number of exactly how many different cryptos you have that are available in the U.S. right now? Uh, that is, that's the thing, right, which is I think that basically people are kind of flying by the seat of their pants. I actually did mm-hmm. speak with uh, one of the uh, top agents in crypto in the SEC, and and her opinion was very interesting. She she basically I, I was asking about I won't name any names, but I was really asking about some of these big, you know, traditional centralized exchanges. And I was like, they're listing everything. Like I, I don't I don't understand. Like how how can they do whatever with impunity? Like it feels like the SEC's been pretty clear that that stuff is those are securities, and I'm not sure how they're doing that. <laughs> and and the what I got back was was those people are acting under bad legal advice, which I thought was awesome, right? Because you know what that means? If, if you translate that into the English language, that operating under bad legal advice means are criminals, right? Because, because you know, if you're operating under bad legal advice, then you're not compliant with the law, which mm-hmm. by definition means you are a criminal, right? So it's it's very, very like politically correct way to say, uh, yes, those are criminals. Or how far away are we from you think the SEC uh, going on a, a you know an individual basis and saying okay this coin here this is one all right this one can be on exchanges you guys like is that coming soon because I think there's a lot of really interesting coins that have been built that are out there that maybe you know maybe they are securities maybe they're not but they're doing really they're really good stuff but it actually holds back it's holding back their business in a lot of cases I mean we uh, Joel and I are advisors for this company called ShipChain. And they ended up getting this cease and desist thing from, you know, the university or from the university from um, South Carolina. Yep. And 
and then they went to court and then that got resolved. And now like they've taken that away and now they're free to do business. But that, that was just kind of a constraint. And it seems to me like there's not been any mandate. There's not any official thing. Oh, this is one. This is not one. This is good. You guys can list these, these you can't like, when is that coming? You think? Yeah. uh, So my, my, you know, sometimes I describe the sec as like a hungry tiger, but I I generally don't think that's quite accurate. I, I think of it more like a, like a python you know in the sense that Mm. it tends to like grab a hold of things and like squeeze them right and so it's not i don't think it's gonna be in the mood of like ripping off big chunks of anything do you know what i mean like the thing that's really interesting about the sec is it's deeply motivated by investor protection right so in some ways if they rip off a chunk of something that may end up harming some investor somewhere and so they can't actually behave in a way. So they, they you know, they're not going to bite off big chunks of things. Like, for example, they won't, they probably won't take something really popular and just up and up declare that, yes, that's a security and, you know, it's doomed, right? Because if they do that, they'll have bashed a huge, you know, that coin will go to zero, you know, like, like blood will run in the streets and, you know, in the gutter and, uh, you know. Well, eventually there's got to be some sort of secondary market for these security tokens, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, it seems yeah, to me but, like there's going to be this but, new exchange or new, like they have to be on another level or of compliance or something. But it yeah, seems like it's coming sooner than later. Yeah, yeah. So that that's the mood, right? Like, you know, and I, I'm kind of like really more reading the tea leaves about these so-called security token exchanges, you know, and when you like, like if you look at there is a Hong Kong based VC that invested 160 million USD into T0, right, which, uh, you know, you've had Patrick Byrne on in the past and, yep. you know, they're working with the Boston Exchange and, you know, they're doing a lot, right? And and to me, you know, if you just zoom back a ways, like people don't plonk $160 million into a thing unless they've got a pretty good feeling that it's going to work out well for them, right? So, you know, my feeling is, is that there's probably some signal there, right? There, there probably is a preliminary indication, you know, to me in my conversation, you know, my phone call with the SEC, you know, they, they, they said a little bit defensively, they said, we've been abundantly clear, right? Like, it, you know, and, and defensively in the sense of, you know, they, they said that unsolicited, that they said they were being mm-hmm. clear, right? And it's true, right? If you really do the math and try to understand what they're about, they're basically saying that traditional U.S. securities law you know, how we test written in the 1930s is in force, right? And so because they have been clear, what does that mean? It means that exchanges have to be regulated as any ATS, alternative trading system or, or a bona fide licensed exchange, FINRA licensed exchange. So, you know, when you, when you look at all the kind of like details of it, um, we know what those things are, right? So the question then becomes like, how are they going to stop someone from doing that? There are already exchanges on this earth that that trade, you know, Apple stock, which just hit a trillion dollars. So like, you know, hey, just use that stuff to trade tokens, right? So I guess the point is, is like, it can't be that far away, right? I mean, how could they say no? They're saying it's a security. You know what the laws are with securities? And there's already exchanges that trade security. So like, what's next? It's, you know, it's becoming increasingly clear that that's where the game has to go. Well, as long as we're reading tea leaves, and uh, I don't know if you also have a crystal ball or, you know, what you Oh, I, I got one of those. Awesome. You know, this has been a, a wild year, 
in uh, in crypto, of course, who hit all time highs at the beginning uh, January, and then it's been this, and then whoop, and then and then you know it keeps keeps doing this. And there's a lot of people that say, uh, you know, as we enter into the latter part of the year, there is a pattern. If you look at the charts year after year, crypto goes up and has hit an all time high most of the years that that it does that uh, but you know with the sec turning away gemini's etf and the sec chairman saying oh which you know why are we turning it away and regulation coming when lambo when moon no no not when lambo when when are things gonna turn around um and we penetrate into you know the mainstream for realsies I feel like people have kind of, it's so funny, like it's such a reactionary environment, you know, I think because it's so speculation driven, uh, you know, because pe people are all, I think people were appropriately switched on about the ETF topic. I think it's a, it is a meaningful topic because it provides a potentially significant kind of fiat to crypto interface, right? So, you know, when you think about capital inflow, that's definitely a mechanic that would produce potentially large scale buying of, you know, Bitcoin in the case of Bitcoin ETF, right? Uh, you know, I think the thing where people are overly torqued is the, you know, I think they're overreacting to the rejection of the Winklevoss ETF, right? Which is, you know, all, all the Winklevoss ETF said was, you know, we're going to have an ETF and it's going to trade on Gemini. But, but right? don't, people, don't people overreact to everything in the space? They do. They do. Absolutely do. So, but the point I would make is this, right? Which is that, you know, if you look at like Solid X, you know, like there are other ETF proposals that are, are, that make a lot more sense that will have the same, if not greater effect on the market as a whole. And, you know, that stuff hasn't happened yet. Uh, the next big deadline for it will be, I think August 16th was the date. Uh, and, you know, the SEC ought to respond. They actually postponed their ruling on six ETFs into September, but they did not postpone the solid x etf and they could have right so the point being that it seems like they're going to respond by august 16th on this etf and if they do uh the market will probably price it in the market will probably price in uh you know and that'll provide significant you know price support for, for at least bitcoin so expand beyond uh the etfs and all that just the market in general what do you think is going to happen and put aside your own personal you know investment and what you want where are we yeah so i feel like this i feel like people are jawboning a lot about this kind of mythical security token thing and in a way i think it's achieved almost like an epic stature in people's minds partly because people are confused right and the reason why i say partly because people are confused is you know the word security the phrase security token doesn't really mean anything i mean you know if you talk to the sec their mood is yeah, everything's a security token right so you know to, to Fill, fill you in on where are we in this whole thing. For sure, security tokens are a thing, right? Uh, and, and what I think they are, are they are asset-backed, regulated tokens, right? And, and so the question becomes, what, do, what happens when we have those? What happens when we have those is the crypto, the value of all cryptos goes up by uh, an order of magnitude or, or maybe several, right? So, the, you know, we're talking about tens of trillions of dollars worth of assets that can be tokenized. So, you know, I think certainly for sure, 
uh, asset-backed tokens are a thing. Uh, but it turns out that that for the most part, asset-backed tokens are not really moon coins. They're not Lambo coins. They're they're going to be, you know, you can't see real estate increasing by 20x uh, unless it's really, you know, special real estate on Mars or I, I don't know what. But the point the point is, the, the thing that I would say is, the thing that people haven't realized or reasoned about that well is the whole like so-called utility coin market in ICO, which is, you know, it's always been a venture capital style of game. And in fact, these are the earliest stage kinds of investments. So it's even earlier than venture capital. It's really like seed stage angel investing. And when you do the math with seed stage venture investing, it's like almost all of them will fail and like no one should be surprised. So to me, like to answer your question most as succinctly as I can at the end of this big rant is I think we're going to see a turn when we start to see traction from a few of the so-called utility token ICOs. And I think some of them will traction with a real bona fide crypto economy. And I think that those will start to decorrelate from Bitcoin, you know, whereas everything else is kind of broadly correlating with Bitcoin and generally putting a drag on this whole crypto economy. So I, I expect that, you know, the last half of 2018 are going to see we're going to see some breakouts. We're going to see some tilted up bona fide crypto economies. And if dot com was any you know basis for judging where we are now. You know, there'll be some giant, giant entities that come out of this thing. You know, I don't know if there'll be companies or not, but there will be very, very large entities that will come out of this phenomenon. No, that's great. I want to ask you this because you go you go back into internet history. You were the chief evangelist for Sun Microsystems for for the Java platform back in the day, right? Yeah, that's right. And, and that's awesome. And, and those of you who may not know exactly what Java is, I mean, it's, it was with those little, it was a little snippet of code that allowed you to play, you know, applications and put things on websites and stuff. And maybe, maybe could you talk, Miko, a little bit about some of the correlations of what you see from the early stages of the internet and where we were and how Java impacted the world and then how we are impacting the world with blockchain now. And then we like to throw in one of Joel's favorite questions is where are we in the crypto bubble to the tech bubble? What what are we in like 1995 blockchain compared to the internet? Thanks for asking my favorite question, Travis. I appreciate that. Ha. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> I wanted to make sure you didn't get asked it. <laughs> awesome. awesome. Yeah. So so going back into my time machine and putting on my Java hat, like, you know, that was a kind of an explosion of sorts and this kind of Cambrian explosion of creativity. And one of the things that I like to liken it to is, you know, what's happening now, because, you know, one way of looking at ICO is something like I would call it a $23 billion talent grab of sorts, right? So, you know, the thing that we should all learn is we should all learn not to bet against uh, developers, right? Software developers, because mm -hmm. the, the end of the day, you know, all these complaints people have about, you know, cryptos and how they don't do this, they don't do that. Like, generally, most of those complaints are software problems, right? And so, you know, in a way, if you if you pay a lot of developers a lot of money, you ought to be able to solve some of those software problems. So, you know, I, yeah. I, maybe some of the UI, you know, issues with crypto, oh, yeah. that's got to be kind of tough. Yeah. To and those, those are user experiences. Yeah, absolutely. So th those are bad problems for a hundred percent. Sure. And, you know, it's pretty primitive, but I think to me, like the thing will happen faster than people expect. And the reason why is that I think people aren't that awesome at reasoning about how much is actually happening. 
right? And the reason the reason why, so you know, Im- imagine twenty three billion dollars going into ICOs, and you know, imagine that like, so you know, you, first of all, you can imagine that like ninety percent of that's just gone, right? Like, okay, it, it just went down the tubes, right? So you know, let's say we're talking about like you know two point three billion USD, like that's still a reasonable amount of money, right? Like that's a reasonable amount of money. Like, okay, you flush that. Well, it is 2018. That won't buy as much as but it Mika, used to. when you say yeah. went down the tubes, I mean, it, there's not that much has been flushed yet. A lot of money's been thrown in, but we're still waiting to see what these companies do. How many of these ICOs actually, you know, uh, execute, right? I mean, it's... Yeah, yeah, I see. That's I see. a 90% fail rate, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see, I see most of these companies as tubes, right? So, you know, so that's what I mean is, you know, like, regardless. But, I, but the thing that's interesting to me is, is that, you know, when you hang out in, in Silicon Valley for a while, you kind of learn that even things that are a waste are not a waste. Like, there are these crazy stories about, about these crazy companies that are, you know, just crazy. Uh, you know, like it, today in modern times, or things like Magic Leap or whatever, they're getting a lot of you know, they're getting canned in the news a lot or whatever. But like, you know, when you look at that these companies, you know, there was a company called Penpoint that created like pen computing, you know, which is almost the predecessor to like the Newton, which is a predecessor to the Palm, which is a predecessor to the iPhone. But like, you know, to me, like when you look at the history of these failed things, even failure is like creates teams, it creates experience, it creates a lot, right? And so in a way, like, you know, this radical period of crazy, you know, experimentation, you know, when you think about waste, you have to kind of put the words, the word waste in quotes, right? In the sense that like, some of it, it, the only thing that's waste is like pure fraud, right? If someone just like freaking buys Lambos or goes, buys an island or, you know, it's buying something that has nothing whatsoever to do with the promises in their white paper, Right. That's kind of like that's embezzlement waste. or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's pure waste. Like that's completely wrong. Right. But even if it's wasted on people who are just super inept, right? That are just bad entrepreneurs that have no clue. Like, in some ways, if they're earnestly trying, like if they're emotionally invested in succeeding and then they fail, like those lessons will actually benefit them and the world with respect to any future thing they may do, right? Because they'll be like, wow, I totally effed that up. And here's how I effed it up. A lot of them are like, oh, my God, I want some money here. Yo, we need some money. to. Oh, my God, now we have $50 million. Like, we we didn't need near this much, right? And then it just, I think in some cases, it might takes away their drive. It really does. And that's that's super wrong. So I feel like we've really done a piss poor job as an industry to structure incentives and to really make sure people are, like, pumped up about it. That would be a good way to do those, I think, security tokens or something along those lines where the ICOs, like, they got to hit these little goals. It's like, all right, for first stage of our white paper, we need 1.5 million cap, right? Okay, boom, we've hit that, and now we're going to deliver something. And then once they hit that deliverable level, then boom, you could trigger phase two. So you're still able to sort of do your raises, but you're able to do them based on execution and deliverable somehow. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big fan of all these topics. I feel like, you know, venture capital actually has done an okay job with this. I feel like one of the things that came out with the baby with the bathwater is that people rejected venture capital and they were basically like, oh, those guys are 
assholes and you know they they do mean things to entrepreneurs well a lot of them are and they're going to take 50 51 percent of your company and now like you're strapped and you're you're basically working for the man on your own idea and then the board votes you out the next thing you know you no longer have your company (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i guess my question my question to the market would be and this 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 is where i kind of like start to sound like a dick is like what percentage of those founder ousters were warranted were like deserved, you know, and and mm-hmm. to me, like you know, it depends That's on when you ask. Exaggerated worst case scenario of what can happen to you and your business, but you're legitimately in a lot of cases giving up a big percentage of your company, right? Yeah, to- and it totally happens, and and founders totally get ousted, and you know, some percentage of them did not deserve that, and so you know, and I've and I've been in those board battles, so you know, I I know I know what can happen, but at the end of the day, like some amount of like supervision is needed you know uh when you're talking about the flows of you know what you mentioned which is like 50 million usd like it'd be great if there was like someone who could actually direct the flow of that capital instead of just having it you know sit in somebody's wallet (laughs) you know which which is kind of how it is now and now they got 50 million in ethereum they need to drop into the market so that crashes the ethereum market. that's totally what's (laughs) happening we're we're burning that 23 billion is all burning to fiat right because it's all being like sent back to like pay people salaries and rents and groceries and lambos and islands and you know just you know what you said about people reacting emotionally and all that and not realizing how much progress is being made every day every hour of every day blockchain is moving forward right there's more banks are looking at it more businesses are looking at solutions more of the existing businesses that aren't at blockchain or if if not publicly behind the scenes going we need to be exploring this you know lest we become blockbuster you know video and so how what would have to happen for this to not accelerate and and just gain steam to where in in you didn't answer my question that was asked by Travis about what year do you think we are in? You know, if you look at uh, the the rise of the World Wide Web and the Internet and the e-commerce, where would you liken that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I love that. That's great. Uh, yeah, I would say like, you know, 96. So, you know, it's still kind of early. We're going to see like a much, much bigger surge, but we've already seen a little bit. You know, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see more. We'll see Google come up that we, that didn't even exist. We're going to see some new things. And I I think that's really the tone that I think is most important. I I think you hit it perfectly, which is there's so much that's hidden from our view right now. Right. And, and a lot of what's being hidden from our view is actually amazing. It's going to, that's going to, a lot of world changing things are being built and, and we're just not, we just can't, there's no individual on earth that actually sees everything in the scope of what's being done i mean satoshi does satoshi sees all knows all that's true (laughs) that's true because he's sitting he's sitting on he's sitting on a cloud and he's kind of watching us wait satoshi's dead oh man (laughs) the bitcoin symbol is the new cross no he's alive he's just sitting on a cloud (laughs) he's in the cloud i'm curious about something here you've got a master's degree in neuroscience what did you think you were going to do when you came out of school? I thought I was going to be like a full-on academic nerd, right? (laughs) So I thought I was going to do research. And it turns out like, uh, I mean, you know, so I I trained to do kind of scientific research, but, uh, you know, it turns out it just didn't have 
that kind of mind. That's great. I want to ask you about Yale real quick yeah. there. So uh, I've done some research on Yale. I've actually been to Yale. I, I did a promotional tour back in the 90s with Sprint, where I went around to all these different colleges all on the East Coast. It was totally cool. And uh, Yale. So I want to know. So did you get invited to that Skull and Bones? Thing uh, yeah, that's kind of the weird, eerie, beating heart of like, of like Yale, right, which is this creepy kind of social societies like skull and bones uh you know they like this windowless crypt in the middle like is this like what is this yeah and they have they have the skull of uh martin van buren down there uh they got all kinds of cool stuff down there that they can play around with uh but uh uh no i i didn't get tapped for that that that's really dominated yeah. by you know undergrads you know people whose last name are are like bush you know so big, big, yeah. big old school they one of those fancy last names yeah yeah, yeah. i was in, i was in the graduate program so i was kind of one of those like oh, you know you missed out on it man you missed yeah, out on it. you could totally be you could totally be ruling the world by now, dude. Yeah, I should have should have gotten in there. I think skull and bones, you know. You're like, dude, I got this neuroscience shit going on, dude. Come on, man. I could be you helpful. Could have been yeah. Nope. No way. I like. Get away from the door, Miko. No. <laughs> I need take him away. I need to make a skull and bones like a uh, syndicate, a crypto syndicate, skull skull and bones crypto syndicate. Yeah, crypto syndicate. We got to have our own handshake. Yeah, I noticed that you're uh, you're an advisor to a company that was brought to our attention just a couple months ago. Um, it, we did a, uh, a talking tokens show. We asked people to call in and say, "Hey, tell us about a token that you like, and we'll you know take a look at it and talk about it for a little bit." Uh, and it's Pundi X PDX, yeah, the point of uh, retail point of sale mm -hmm. terminal I, I know so full disclosure you're an advisor for them they raised 60 million in their hard cap i personally was really impressed with what i saw T talk a little bit about it yeah they are really a dynamo and you know the thing that's fascinating about this one and you know across my desk we were just talking about it and like it's they're from indonesia right real head scratcher right it's definitely not kind of a run-of-the-mill type of a deal but increasingly, we're seeing these kind of crazy like triumvirates. We're seeing these crazy triumvirates where you're seeing basically tech venture capital, plus you're seeing kind of these uh, regional fiat super whales, uh, plus you're seeing kind of these like hardened products. And one of the great things about Pundi is, is that they're shipping product, right? So shipping product is always a nice thing. And, you know, and it's I, I think you mentioned it before. It's like retail point of sale, right? It's basically swipe your credit card or tap your phone and pay with crypto and, you know, buy a you know, bottle of water or a bag of rice or whatever you want. And so, you know, that's their mood. And, uh, you know, to me, that kind of the cool thing about if you look at a place like Indonesia, they have a huge population, right? I think Indonesia is kind of about U.S. sized. You know, and, and it turns out that, you know, they have a pretty high kind of wealth disparity situation. So they have like, mm -hmm. you know, a, a few hundred families that control like most of the utility companies and, you know, that are just really, really kind of squarely. You know, I know a lot of people, even in the Philippines, they, they earn like literally $2 that's, that's, US That's not a day. Indonesia, yeah. right? I mean, Philippines and Indonesia. Right, right. Yeah, that's right near this. Well, right it's, it's interesting. The wealth, the wealth pattern in the Philippines is not that dissimilar. If you look at like, there's probably 400 families in Metro Manila area that kind of have pretty much reign over the Philippine economy. And you know, I think in Indonesia, it's, it, it may even be a smaller number of families in some ways. But the thing that's fascinating about it is the role of these kinds of like regional superpowers 
in kind of enabling these crypto economies to form. You know, it's a it's a very interesting kind of a pattern, uh, and rather unexpected. But you know, I, this has been uh, this has been a topic that I've you know spoken about with some venture capital investors, and you know, this is part of what's emerging in crypto is kind of these regional plays with kind of regional superpowers, uh, you know, but it, it's always, it's always that are already shipping project. Is that what the triumvirate was? Yeah. Again? yeah. You, you want to have venture plus regional fiat super whale plus their shipping. That's product. right. You want a shipping product. Absolutely. Cause the, the goal is, is that the fiat super whale is actually acting as kind of like a huge, uh, essentially it's like a central bank, right? That's the fiat super whale is basically able to buy tokens and provide price support when it dips, you know, and when it starts peaking, then they can kind of like sell off a few tokens, you know, and so as they kind of continue to manage that, it's a little bit like Facebook stock, you know, buying and selling their own stock, right? And so in a a way, like these fiat super whales, if they're managing kind of the monetary policy of the token, they're able to make a really nice profit for themselves, they're able to put a large amount of capital to work. And the thing it all the whole shooting match depends on there being primary crypto economy. Right. Like if you can't tilt up a primary crypto economy, then don't bother doing all this because all you're doing at this point is kind of some kind of elaborate pump and dump. But like if you actually have a shipping product that's actually producing primary velocity of money, then you can actually value the economy and you can actually allow the economy to reach its flow value. Right. So you can actually kind of in some level provide price support for a natural value of the economy as opposed to some kind of like artificial value. Maybe, you know what? What Travis was suggesting makes sense in that, you know, if ICOs were to do things in stages, like here's what we need to get to development and now, you know, in, in develop and now here's what we need to ship a product, right? Then I think that they'd ha- they'd be raising less. The, the people who then invest in the second stage would have a little better idea of what they're buying. Yeah, I, I, I'm in favor, but I, you know, to me, it's really interesting. Uh, you know, part of it is having kind of clear optics. I venture capital has always been stage and round driven, and and each round has a specific purpose. But I think the token thing, uh, people have been raising shebangs, and so you know, if you raise a very big shebang, it's it's hard to control. There I should be a really shebang need- token. The she- I like, yeah. yeah, I like that shebang <laughs> token. Right. Yeah, the medium shebang. But you're right. Those shit bangs are going pow, pow. You're getting all this money and it just takes away all your drive to really hustle, right? It's like the sense of urgency goes away because you're like, look, and then the price of crypto goes up. Like there were some cases where people would get a lot of money on the ICO and then it, and then the price of crypto raised r- ridiculously and they were holding all these tokens. Now they're worth like four times as much as they were at the end of the ICO yeah, and haven't yeah. done anything. It's a really shows a dire need for kind of like uh so-called adult supervision it feels like the the liquidity that's available in the token is unprecedented so even with kind of equity secondary markets like you know shares post and these other kinds of things you know you still don't have the kind of liquidity that you have with the tokens and yeah there's unhealthy dynamics yeah i wanted to ask you real quick as you mentioned something earlier when we were talking about like you know the way that things are setting up and it looks like you know, with ETFs, maybe, you know, some of these other things may be happening here before we know it. You're talking about trillions of dollars entering the market. Unquestionable. Right. You were saying. So can you maybe ex- ex- expand on that? Like, where do you think we're going to be here over the next few years as we grow? Like how long? Until, I mean, today, actually, while we're recording this, Apple became the first trillion dollar company ever. Right. Which is an amazing feat. 
how long until crypto hits a trillion? And then you said 10, you know, many trillions coming in. Like, what do you think over the next few years? Yeah. So so the thing that's interesting is, is that there's the primary value of crypto and then there's just crypto eating things. Right. And what I mean by there's just crypto eating things is, you know, crypto, like, let's say $10 trillion goes into like security tokens and crypto, like that isn't necessarily $10 trillion in new value, right? Like it's really, you know, just take something, a small category like real estate. Like if you tokenize real estate, the real value of it is not in the crypto at all, right? It's really like $10 trillion worth of real estate being tokenized by crypto. So for example, one way to get you know, a trillion dollars worth of crypto is you just buy every single share of Apple stock and tokenize that, you know. Uh, and so I, I guess my, right. my point is, is that, you know, part of the value of the phenomenon in the big picture is just that more and more things will be represented by tokens, right? But that's an interesting scenario in and of itself, right? Because, you know, if you have an aggregate value of all the tokens, it just shows that the space itself is becoming the dominant form of life on Earth. And I think we're moving towards kind of a internationally regulated, you know, crypto type of token, you know, that that will kind of solve a lot of these types of problems, but it'll take the regulators some time to kind of settle on a standard. So, you know, I, I, so that I, becomes the one world currency. So we're really close to be there's a if there's a standard like an IMF or one of those international monetary funds or global bank that's like in charge of the sort of crypto space and all the rules well then we then they could put clamps down that we wouldn't necessarily want so shouldn't we find a way to be self-governing somehow oh that's yeah that's definitely music to my ears i i started a nonprofit called the ico governance foundation uh Mm -hmm. icogovernance.org and uh and basically it's promoting a ico self-disclosure protocol and the, the self-disclosure protocol is basically people will just declare what they're going to do with the money. Uh, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty simple. Uh, it's kind of shocking that that's not standard, but it isn't. And uh, it'd be great if people could explain that to investors. Uh, so, you know, we're trying to inject a layer of self-governance. And, you know, our mood is this. Our mood is really simple, which is we just want to make this kind of disclosure so standard that if people don't disclose it, then they're probably hiding something, right? So it's sort of in the realm of like presidential tax returns where, you know, it's sort of, uh, if you don't disclose it, then, you know, for sure you're hiding something and, you know, good luck, right? So so I think that's where we're trying to get to, uh, which is more like a social norm or what in game theory they call a Nash equilibrium. I'm telling you what, good stuff. Uh, Miko, thanks so much for, for joining us today and uh, sharing info and having some laughs his website is miko.com m-i-k-o and evercoin is uh the app that he founded the exchange and you can get that for the ios devices now and google play soon thanks again miko we appreciate it all right thanks guys thank you miko for providing great content and what did you guys think you like that episode go to the facebook bad crypto mastermind and let us know what your thoughts are it's at badco.in forward slash mastermind and it's free and you could join with thousands of other crypto enthusiasts that like to stay bad and so that's not the end of the show though it's just that it just seemed like the place to say that yeah yeah normally when we say stay bad it's the end of the show but this was a preemptive stay bad and that's, that's I know that might have been confusing. Now. Is it over now?
No, it's not. It's still going because okay. you know we. I really enjoyed that interview with Miko. It was a. It was a. It was very good. Did you enjoy, Mister Jolcom? I enjoyed very much. I, I'm enjoying meeting all of the people that are involved in uh, in this space. It's uh, this is a great space to be in, and I actually met somebody um, just yesterday. Which, of course, when uh, you guys hear this, it won't be yesterday anymore. It'll be close to yesterday. Could be a few yesterdays ago, but mm-hmm. she is. Uh, it turns out the Global Women in Blockchain is actually based here in Denver, and I did not know. And and I met Nina, who is the uh, the mm. the organizer for the nice. Global Women in Blockchain. And I, without your permission, I have invited her to the show. So she's going nice. down here in the not too distant. Nina region. or Nina? It's Nina. Nine and nine, red love balloons. Yeah, and nine, nine and Nichols is her name, nine and and, and we're gonna find out about all of the uh, the cool crypto chicks that are getting involved in the space and what her organization is doing. In the meantime, we've got a few reviews that we'd like to read. Let's do it. I love reviews, Mister Joe Com. People are so friendly when they leave nice reviews. It makes us feel loved. I like this one from, <laughs> I, I guess. Um, I guess a hobbit wrote this one. Tolkien, Tolkien's. Yeah, like Tolkien, like the <laughs> author of Lord of the Rings. J.R.R. Tolkien, yeah. He, he's actually, he's an Aussie. Uh, so, you know, they shot Lord of the Rings in New Zealand. But he writes, I thought cryptography peaked with Tolkien's constructed elvish languages that were used fleetingly throughout Lord of the Rings. But then I discovered the Bad Crypto Podcast and my life suddenly pivoted to a higher plane of existence. The only way I escaped the drudgery of my 60-minute commute on purpose Earth's Mitchell Freeway each day is by listening to Travis and Joel unpick blockchain, punctuating it with highbrow champagne quality comedic puns like Congratulations. Congratulations on a show so bad. It's a Travis D. <laughs> oh no. Congratulations. Yeah. Very nice. How did we not have that when we did our one year? I don't Should know. Totally congratulations have you ever has anybody ever said congratulations to you no that's uh that is that is really convenient there matt from perth well done matt from perth and it's a travis t yeah yeah i've heard that multiple times but congrats joelations that's really good i dig it Uh, that is good all right ian goff he interviewed us gave us a five stars his great source of knowledge delivered in a unique way with a childlike humor that somehow manages to be funny every time keep up the bad work that's Very funny. Nice. You said he interviewed us. He, is that what I said? Yeah. He re, I said That's because we're bad. Us. Yeah, he reviewed us, and he wants an interview. I, and I don't know. Bosco, 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 XVG on iTunes Road. I've been listening since last September. I absolutely love this podcast. Travis White and Joe Cum are witty, hilarious, and bad all at the same time. Cheers and looking forward to more. And we would love your funny clever five-star reviews please go to the itunes uh, store and find us there or facebook or wherever you listen if they give you the ability to review if you write us a funny or or even a heartfelt you know just one that'll make us cry if it's five stars then uh, we might read it here on the show you could become famous with travis white and jokum (laughs) stay bad Stay bad. Who's bad? 
The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.